Jones, 30, 35, 40, he's in midfield, and they'll never catch The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Stasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And Down the Sidelines is the sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me Your News Network, and this is the 61st episode of the podcast on April 21st, 2014. 61, like Roger Maris's 61 home runs in 1961. Yeah. Almost like that. Uh, Getting to the end of April, which means the start of the NBA and NHL playoffs, which we will get to talking to in a bit, and we'll give our predictions. Joel, it's been a couple weeks. How have you been? Good. Um, Last week was pretty busy. Um, I had my birthday. I had uh, Mm -hmm. Good Friday. Thanks. Um, Easter. So I did lots of stuff with the family this weekend, and a lot of really nice weather to get out in you know like picnic weather mm-hmm. um so that that was that was nice um made for a good weekend and uh yeah yeah hopefully the winter doldrums are behind us i i'd say yeah i was i was like for a while there i was thinking oh is it gonna snow on my birthday it wouldn't be the first time <laughs> um but i'd say that that was it that last Maybe last Tuesday, I think, was the last time it snowed. I know we hit low 70s today, and it was like, <laughs> something's, something's not right here. What, what is this? <laughs> and then we're probably getting thunderstorms at night, so that'll, that'll break it. Uh, when we last checked with Down the Sidelines, we were you know, in the Final Four in the mm-hmm. NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, and that'll be part of our red zone. We'll be talking about the National Championship game and looking forward to next year. But at the end of that uh, that championship game, as we go into our quick hits, uh, Shabazz Napier, the uh, tournament's most valuable player, the Final Four most valuable player of the victorious Connecticut Huskies, uh, was making comments about how there are nights where he and other college student athletes go hungry. And uh, what did you think of those comments at, on that um, stage? Well, like, I mean, like, the one thing I was thinking is that, you know, like, like a lot of college students, they probably spend their money on things that they don't need (laughs) (laughs) instead of those, like, extra snacks and food and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But, um, I mean, like, you gotta think that, you know, they probably do need more calories, uh, you know, because they burn more calories in a day and they're just... You know, they've got a busier schedule than, yeah. than most people. And, of course, they can't have jobs, um, you know, so that they can make extra money to, to get this extra food. Um, I'd say as long as they can find a way to, to fund it properly, um, like, I don't see anything wrong with it at all. Yeah, so the big news in that regard was that the NCAA is now, uh, they came to terms and agreed that student-athletes are... Uh, approving, they're approving unlimited meals and snacks for them. I'd say probably the the big thing with the ruling is that it doesn't just include scholarship athletes. Mm-hmm. So walk ons, walk ons, yeah. Which I, you know, I mean, considering it's, that they're they're not like a lot of them aren't getting their school paid for. So 
Right. And and it did look really bad when, you know, those comments are being made like on the big stage after the championship game and mm-hmm. you have things like the uh the Oklahoma students who they had to uh, they were, they had, Oklahoma had to report, you know, wasn't just to the NCAA they had to report that they had too much pasta. They took more than the allotted pasta amount hmm. at an event. Like, just ridiculous things that, yeah, this is an out-of-date rule. you got to change it. Unfortunately, they did. Uh, other things involve strength and conditioning coaches that they need to be certified from a nationally accredited board. Uh, someone certified in CPR, first aid, and AED mm-hmm. uh, needs to be present at all games. Um Reduce the penalty for a first positive test for street drugs during championships. Interesting. Hmm. And requires football players to rest for at least three hours between practices during the preseason. Film meet, review and team meetings will be allowed during the recovery period. So, I mean, you know, good ideas overall, but you know, the big one that stands out is, yeah, maybe, as you say, like our athletes who burn more calories need to have more food, and we can't be stringent on what we allow for these athletes who work out a lot and expend a lot of energy. Yeah, it seems kind of like a, just a, like, oh, we weren't doing this already kind of thing. Right. I don't know, like, as much money as they spend on some of the other, you know, the facilities and stuff, like, right. you would think, logically, like, nutrition would be probably... <laughs> a basic human <laughs> yeah. need, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, that was very interesting. Also, news that came across the wire this morning uh, in the NBA with Phil Jackson taking over the New York Knicks. Uh, word for a while that was, you know, Mike Woodson, the coach, probably would not last this season and that Phil would probably want to bring in one of his own guys. Uh, that did happen today with Mike Woodson being fired as coach of the New York Knicks. Uh, talk is that Steve Kerr, former player for Phil Jackson, current color commentator on TNT, is you know being considered for the job. You know, is that's not surprising. Maybe he wants to kind of maybe just, you know, mold a, a younger coach, kind of almost in the same way that Pat Riley has done with Eric Spolstra in Miami. Hmm. Though at the same time, talks of well maybe Phil wants to coach. You know, a year and a half ago he was he seemed willing to, you know, have the Lakers job if it were offered to him, which it wasn't. Um, so uh, is he really you know, so far removed from wanting to coach? You know, if they bring in Steve Kerr or someone of that ilk for a year, would Phil's mind change after a year, or is he really set on being stuck in not really stuck, but granted this position of power within the New York Knicks basketball organization? Hmm. Um. I mean, I don't know. I think it's like either way. If if it's like not going well, you're gonna take heat because you're just you know part of the organization. But um, I mean, he can coach. We know he that he can. Um, and so I mean, I guess if it happened, I don't think many people would be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, then of course, uh, they'll have to have somebody else come in to take over that job. Oh. I think I think it's Kerr's to take though if he wants it. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. it. Looks looks like it's just waiting there. 
for him. Though is the question is going to be if he and the presence of Phil Jackson enough to keep Carmelo Anthony because Carmelo is going to be the big free agent this summer. Although is this the summer for LeBron? Like if he wants to stick um, Miami or is that next summer? I'm not sure. I feel like I would have heard a little bit more about it if it was. Well, regardless, I mean, Carmelo's a big free agent this summer. Mm -hmm. Like, does he want to stay with New York? Or it's looking like Chicago's a very open possibility there. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. been asking players what it's like to, you know, play under Tom Thibodeau. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you have, you know, Derrick Rose, supposedly coming back from injury, play with Joakim Noah, and then Carmelo Anthony, that sounds like an appetizing, you know, triad of players. Yeah, something that they can, I mean, even build around more, I suppose. Absolutely. And then about a year uh, after the disaster last year, uh, he had the Boston Marathon ran today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's like, because my, my sister, she used to live up in Boston and help with that every year, um, and she like recently moved to D.C., so it's the first year she's not helping mm. And, um, I can't remember. They always have like celebrities help out with like the fundraising and stuff. And, uh, why can't I remember his name? Uh, this is the lead on, uh, House of Cards. What's his name? Oh, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yes, yeah. I believe was the one helping out with it this year. So she was all disappointed. Oh, <laughs> man. Because didn't meet him. Um, He's but brilliant. She, she has some friends that, that run in it too. And, um, you know, there was, of course, you know, a lot of attention paid to it because of the, the tragedy that happened last year. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, it was interesting to see, like, everybody, you know, they had more security, um, just hoping that everything goes well. And um, I believe that the, uh, as far as the results go for this year, the um, the woman who won last year. Yes. Won it again. And she's very, I mean, she's very well known um she wins i mean she's won a lot of races mm-hmm. rita jep too mm-hmm. and uh kind of a, you know a little bit of news as far as uh besides just you know the event going well and nothing going wrong um on the men's side we had our first uh you know american citizen win and let's see how many year old years was it I think 1983 was the last time an American man won the yeah. Boston Marathon. And your winner this year is Meb Keflazigi. Yeah. So if you, uh, the only reason I know of Meb is from the TV commercials. Uh, gosh, is it Skechers? Is it Nike? It must be not that effective um, if I can't even remember the product. But the guy's you know, running through the neighborhood and everyone's like, Morning, Meb. Hi, Meb. <laughs> Hey, Meb. And then, you know, the guy takes off the shoes, and his name is, like, Gary or whatever. And it's like, so how was your run, Gary? Well, I prefer to be called Meb. <laughs> That's an American commercial over here. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But, no, I mean, it's good that, you know, it seemed to went off without a hitch. Uh, yeah. Definitely a lot of, especially on the 15th, the one-year anniversary, definitely a lot of in memory of because uh, that, that was definitely a big event. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I feel like uh, just even like the past weekend and and the week before, they've 
I've seen probably like six or seven different TV specials related to it about the survivors and and stuff, and which are really interesting stories if if you want to if you want to check those out. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, nice to see everything go off without a hitch and um, a little bit of history made for sure. Uh, not only did Rita Jeptu uh, win back to back the female you know winner mm-hmm. uh but she also set the new course record uh two hours 18 minutes 15 uh, 57 seconds rather oh, <laughs> two hours 18 minutes for 26.2 miles yeah uh just my, just a little uh thing here my first half marathon that I ran first half was, marathon yeah half marathon half the distance was a little bit under two hours. Oh my! So, that that goes to show you um, just how crazy fast that is. That is wild. Wow. Let's get in the red zone. The top three biggest sports stories from the past couple weeks in sports, and yeah, it's it starts with at the twenty yard line, the men's basketball tournament, and you could say the women's too. Uh, yeah. Because the same school, once again, uh, I think 2009 was the last time it happened. Yeah, it was. Uh... Where both schools uh, for UConn, men's and women's, won the championship. Is that like a Ben Gordon Okafor team and a. Mm-hmm. Um, and Diana Taurasi. Diana Taurasi. Yep, yep. Good teams. Yeah, um, and just great coaches too i mean you know they'll definitely be hall of fame candidates and they'll be in the hall of fame Um, i mean kevin ollie you're talking about coaches you know one year removed from you know sanctions from not entering the tournament because of academic reasons mm -hmm. and you know you're trying to build off of the legacy of jim calhoun and trying to make your own name and you already get a, a championship that's incredible yeah i mean i think that uh not only was he able to, you know, keep a lot of the players around that, um, you know, played for Calhoun that were recruited by Calhoun, um, be- being able to keep those players right away, like as soon as he stepped in. Um, a lot of times when coaches switch, like I, I think we just saw something with uh, Tennessee, their coach left and went to another school and one of the big recruits is now going to that school. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just like any other sport, um, and 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 he's not only that, but he's been able to recruit good players too. Because I mean, you know, I think they had the best player remaining in the conference in the in the whole tournament. But I think that there were, you know, the whole team was pretty good too. I mean, the team defense and uh, considering how much smaller they, as they were as a team overall compared to the other teams they were playing, it was kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. I read a really interesting tweet, you know, in addition to Shabazz Napier, you had Boatwright, who was the other guard that made up their fantastic backcourt, which you know, does seem like really good guard play, always helps mm-hmm. in the tournament. read a tweet where uh, Tim Floyd, when he was the coach at USC, did something crazy where he offered an eighth grader a scholarship. Mm-hmm. He's talked about, you know, based on hype of college sports and all that. But that was, that was Boatwright. Yeah, no, he was recruited by 
we recruited him. I mm-hmm. specifically remember that. He he was recruited by probably every team in the old Big East. Yeah. Um, probably half the teams in the ACC. I'm sure half the teams in the Big Ten. Um, yeah. He's just uh, kind of like a lockdown defender, too. Um, they'd usually put him on whoever the other team's best player was. So. And it was an okay game between Connecticut and Kentucky. Uh, not as good as some of the other games in the tournament, especially Kentucky's games. And we were talking about that last time. Like, you know, a lot of their games, if that were, you know, as good as the, like, the championship, if that were a championship game, like, that would be, you know, among the best ever. But mm-hmm. uh, not so much. But kudos to you for picking Connecticut to win it all out of that Final Four. It seemed like a, a gutsy pick, but it came through for you. Though, of course, neither of us had Connecticut or Kentucky. Oh no! In I our mean, final you, you four, get it down much to less four, and I think yeah. I can do it. But yeah, <laughs> before that, it's just like it was, you know, the tournament of upsets. Really, uh, it really the, was. The yeah. first round was probably the best first round I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. uh, or you mean second round? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, three overtime games each day, mm-hmm. and uh, just. Kind of crazy. Lots of, uh, was it lots of five seeds going down the first round or second round? And, um, yeah, UConn, a seven seed, Kentucky, Nate. Um, that does I not mean, happen often. Yeah, you get you get Florida. They they lose to Connecticut, then they go on that crazy winning streak. You know, mm-hmm. just run through their conference like it's nothing. Um, then they lose to Connecticut. Yeah. Which, I, I I mean, how often does that happen? That, that a team wins that many games and they lose twice the same team. I think they won like 32 straight games, something like that. It was it was pretty yeah. crazy. <laughs> it was a lot. But uh, yeah, kudos to Kentucky for getting there as well. Uh, that was a team that, you know, preseason, number one, mm-hmm. really struggled a lot, fell outside the top 25, and they really pulled it together at the end. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, before the tournament, they, you know, they they probably, like, what what people looked at them and they just saw a bunch of young draft picks is basically what they saw. But, you know, the, even the young kids showed, like, how much maturity they had because to beat to beat some of the teams they beat, I, it's, real, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talent on their team, but I don't think that it, you saw the potential that it had until the tournament. Right. I mean, that's, that's kudos to John Calipari. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the question is, you know, is he puts out a book and he's making the rounds on the late night talk shows. And, you know, does he stay with Kentucky? Has he done all that he can there with all the pressure there in big blue nation? Uh, if he has an opening, say if the Los Angeles Lakers fire Mike D'Antoni as their coach, Despite all the money they would owe him this coming year, does he take an opportunity like that? It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I'd say it's just if he kind of wants a challenge or not, right? Because as far as um, as far as college goes, I I really don't think that he has much of a challenge recruiting wise. He's getting pretty much everybody that he wants every time. He has it made. Uh, It's like any of these lifers. And, you know, Mike Krzyzewski and 
Jim Beheim, they're mm-hmm. completely different examples because they've already lived out the duration of years with their school. But another example of, you know, a, a college coach who, you know, rumors sometimes pop up of is he interested in an NBA job is Tom Izzo at Michigan State. And he's another person who is set for life if he so chooses to stay oh, yeah, at the school. Uh, I think, you know, and I have to you know, preface this with, you know, living in the state of Michigan, you know, a little bit of knowledge in this area, just, you know, for local bias. Um, you know, Michigan State plays in the Breslin Center, which is named for a very old coach they had. I honestly think that when Tom Izzo's done, that place is being re- renamed in his honor because uh, he has done so much for that basketball program. Uh, just the same way where, you know, at a uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke, it's mm-hmm. already in you know, a Coach K court. Yeah. Like, they've already named it after him. The Carrier Dome, I'm sure, for Syracuse, Bayheim's going to have some sort of, you know, name designated to that area of the university. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, yeah, some college coaches are moving about, mm-hmm. but uh, Calipari is going to be the most interesting one because he's the biggest personality, and it is it would be a seismic shift wherever he ends up coaching, whether he stays at Kentucky or moves onward. Yeah. So as we think of moving forward to next year, we make the play with the predictive element of the show here on Down the Sidelines. Who is the favorite for next year's national championship? Um, well, I, I, I don't take a look at your final four and uh, kind of look at like who's leaving from those teams. There's a lot of people leaving from those teams. Um, lots of seniors and uh, draft picks. I mean, Kentucky will be a pretty much a different team next year for yeah. sure um you know yukon won't be the same uh do, do you know how many seniors were on wisconsin i had no idea like if there were how many ki- people on there were uh, getting recruited by the nba or it's a or good what? question um let me look this up because i don't think kaminsky mm-hmm. is he's a junior all right i don't think he's leaving you know seven footer um, um, Bahannon's a senior, Ben Brust is a senior, but other than that, like, I don't think they have a lot of NBA talent that's, you know, no one's leaving really early. So and, be and a good I mean, team. they could get a, you know, some even better players through recruiting, mm-hmm. um, because they, I mean, they, I'd say they probably finished higher than, you know, they thought they would. I would and agree with so that, yeah. They're, they're just, uh, I mean, you guys play against them. They're a matchup problem. Um, when you have guys, like that many big guys on your team, they can all shoot three-pointers. Uh, it's just kind of hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kentucky was lucky. They were they were getting, you know, really good rebounding inside against them, and, you know, their shots just were falling the right way. But, uh I I wouldn't have been surprised if Wisconsin beat them, yeah. um, and then and then I really don't know how I don't know how UConn would have handled Wisconsin exactly. So so that I think I think Wisconsin you know if I look at those four teams definitely is one that kind of stands out to me if they're if they're keeping as many people as I think they're going to right. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, I'd say probably, you know, Florida best coaching job Billy Donovan's ever done because definitely he, you know, again, he had all that NBA talent on those teams that, that won the other national championships. So, um, you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see if what, especially with uh, Kentucky's success and depending if maybe one of those guys stays or if they can get some even better players to come in, like how that'll work out. That's why I'm thinking Kentucky is the front runner. I don't think Calipari is going anywhere. He is getting mm-hmm. a really good recruiting class coming in, and he always seems to put it together. I think. And I mean, they finished the year playing clearly their best basketball. Oh yeah. Um, I think so, you have to like their chances. I mean, I I wish I could think you know highly of Michigan. They are losing Glenn Robinson the third and Nick Stauskas to the NBA. Uh, I think Mitch McGarry is staying, and you know he spent most of the year, if not all the year, on the bench. Uh, so uh, they should be good next year. I think they could contend for a Big Ten title with Wisconsin. Uh, I think Michigan State will slip a bit. I, you know they'll bring in good talent. Brandon Dawson's the the big player that's staying, but they're losing Adrian Payne. They're losing Keith Appling, and that's going to be tough for them. A lot what about of, like what about like Dayton? That's um... I think they can be dangerous, mm-hmm. um, but I don't necessarily see them making a deeper run than they had. I think this was a, a, a fortuitous tournament for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you were matched up against Ohio State, uh, I, I mean, come on. <laughs> obviously, Creighton's going to drop off a ton because Creighton's going to take a hit. Yeah, they're losing. You know, well, the player probably the year. best shooter in the in the NCAA. Um, uh, yeah, and I don't, yeah. I don't know how many seniors are in Wichita State either, but um, yeah, that's a good question. I and then you have Andrew Wiggins and you have Jabari Parker going. Julius Randall from Kentucky. Uh, it's shaping up it to be a very deep and interesting draft, which you could not say last year. <laughs> yeah, uh, a, a few seniors on Wichita State and Clay Anthony Early. Their big player is a uh, senior. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we'll see what happens. It'll be. You think, you think North Carolina will be better next year? I think it'll be about the same. I was gonna say because weren't they relatively young? I just yeah, a bit. But then they are losing a couple players, like McAdoo is going to the draft. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you take some, you lose some. Hmm. I don't know. It, it, it is too early to tell, but we had to you know, throw our opinions out there. Uh, the NHL playoffs, which is a whole other animal compared to <laughs> the NHL regular season. It's just, it's ferocious. And, you know, every moment matters. You can kind of tell already just from watching these. Uh, oh, yeah. First yeah. round games. Yeah, and I wish we uh, could have done the podcast uh, you know, before these <laughs> these playoffs started. You don't want to seem like we had any... I, yeah, I was going to say my my... My, I'd probably have a little bit different <laughs> setup here. Oh. If I, Interesting. Because they, they are a little, I mean, they're a little bit different, going a little bit differently than I thought they would. So. Mm. Um, God, I really should have looked up who we predicted at the beginning of the season. Because I, I think I know who I picked, but I, I want to be sure. Hmm. Uh, it's really different how the NHL playoffs are working this time around. Because you have the two divisions in each conference, and so then you're taking 
you know, the, the whole seating is all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, the, the top six are based off, and since, uh, this is actually different, but you know, they all kind of break it down by points. The top six out of eight in each conference are determined by the top three in each division. And, of course, that's all determined by points. Hmm. You take the division winners, and they're the top two seeds. Those are determined by points. Yeah. The wild cards are not determined by division, and so they come in at the 7 and 8. So you can have a 7 and 8 both in one division, and the other division doesn't have any teams in the playoffs past the top three. If that makes sense. So you have the top three in each division, Mm-hmm. And then seven and eight can come from either division, but it's all determined based on points. Now, the one and the eight and the two and the seven still play each other. But then that's all based on points. That doesn't you know matter based on division. However, the what would be otherwise, you know, the three and six and the four and five, those two teams that play each other have to be in the same division. So those are your two-seed and three-seed in one division facing each other, and your two-seed and three-seed in the other division facing each other. So let's take a look at the East, for example, because both the teams we follow are in the East. Mm -hmm. If you pull up the standings here, uh, in the Eastern Conference, in the Atlantic Division, you had Boston, Tampa Bay, and Montreal as your top three. In the Metropolitan, Pittsburgh, New York Rangers, Philadelphia. Now, Boston had more points than Pittsburgh. So they're the one seed. Pittsburgh's (laughs) the two seed. Uh, Now, the next two highest pointed teams after that, with tiebreakers and everything being a factor, Columbus held the tiebreaker over Detroit. Both teams had 93 points. So Detroit is the eighth seed. Columbus is the seventh seed. And since Boston has more points than Pittsburgh... Boston's the one, Pittsburgh's the two. So you have the matchup of the one and eight, Boston and Detroit, and then Pittsburgh and Columbus. Then in the Eastern Conference Atlantic Division, your two remaining teams, the two and the three from that division, Tampa Bay and Montreal, they play each other. New York Rangers and Philadelphia Flyers, they play each other. Now, it's new, so... I'm not entirely sure or haven't researched in great detail how it follows from there. I don't think you have know, base it off of seeding from there. I would imagine that, you know, it'd be based on division from there. Uh, so the winner of Boston and Detroit may face the winner of Tampa Bay and Montreal so that you have a cross-division showdown in your Eastern Conference Finals. That'd be interesting. Uh, but it's definitely different. I don't think like, any, no other sport does it like this. So in the Western Conference, you have the one seed of Anaheim against mm-hmm. the eight seed of Dallas. See, and this is the case where Minnesota and Dallas, Minnesota is the seventh seed versus Colorado, the two. Minnesota and Dallas are in the Central Division in the Western Conference. The Pacific, mm-hmm. Phoenix was next up behind Anaheim, San Jose, Los Angeles, but they had you know two fewer points than Dallas, so they didn't make it. Then you have St. Louis and Chicago. And San Jose and Los Angeles, which is good. I mean, I think it's a really good thing because you have the rivalries, you know, really early on, and then you have you have less of a chance for that happening in the later rounds. Which 
it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I like how it's working out so far, though. You have a lot of you know ingrained rivalries right now, especially you know San Jose and Los Angeles. Those are really good ones. It is strange to see Pittsburgh and Columbus, though. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, we don't really have necessarily the time to break down each matchup, but what are some of the ones that have uh, stuck out to you so far? Uh, you know, most of them are two games in. Uh, what was it last? Was it last night or the night before? Uh, and Phil- Philadelphia beat the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't know, like. It just like after watching that game, I kind of was like, I think Philadelphia's gonna win this whole series. Interesting. <laughs> um, New York really put it to him in game one, and then yeah. they're up to nothing. Philly comes back in game two with four it, unanswered goals and wins. It wasn't like, and I don't even think it was like the fact that like I was watching with my brother in law, and he's like a really big fan it just like i don't know like i just kind of got this feeling like after watching i was like i just kind of feel like they're gonna come and win this whole thing like it it just i don't know it's interesting i think you know philadelphia has a little more shaky goaltending situation they you know went with ray emery in game mm-hmm. two and yeah he played really well but i think you have more stability with uh henrik ludquist <laughs> So uh, I think I'd lean more towards the Rangers getting back on you know track. So, but you know, splitting the series on the road is good for the Flyers. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I am invested in the Boston and Detroit series. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to end in a Red Wings victory, but it is you know good to see the eight seed split on the road in Boston. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely a lot of adjustments need to be made for both teams going forward. But that's definitely an interesting one to watch. That's not it's, just it's your the defending money. champs. It's you know. Well, the defending champs are uh, Chicago, actually. In the oh wait, that's a shortened I mean. season. Yeah, but yeah, you know, Boston did win a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, it's it's always interesting to see, and you know, Detroit. Uh, that's a. A tremendous coaching job by Mike Babcock because that, that was a team that's plagued by injuries, really using a lot of their AHL players to kind of put you know the roster together mm. and you know continue the Red Wing streak of 23 years making the playoffs consecutively. Uh, very impressive. You know Columbus against Pittsburgh is the one you're watching. That was a tough to see. You know Columbus come back and uh, nip the pens in overtime. Mm-hmm. But I think the most interesting series so far to watch is St. Louis against Chicago. Uh, St. Louis, both games, down in the last three minutes to Chicago. They get the tying goal to force overtime. First game, I believe it was triple overtime. Mm, or double yeah. overtime. It was, yeah, it was some... Um, probably double overtime. Uh, let's actually make sure we're getting that right here. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it, it's, it has the most storylines going to it for sure because you also have in game two, uh, Brent Seabrook, the Blackhawks defenseman, going for a pretty dirty hit on the Blues' David Backus. You know, Backus has no idea where he is. Uh, and then Seabrook, you know, one of the two stalwart defensemen they have, along with Duncan Keith for Chicago, 
Uh, Seabrook suspended three games. So that's that's a pretty big one right there. Uh, but yeah, you, so both games, you have overtime games. Both games, you're down in the last three minutes and force overtime. And granted, these are both at home, and you're going back to Chicago, which is a completely different environment. But, you know, Chicago has experience coming back in series like they did with Detroit last year. St. Louis has experience choking series away like they have to Los Angeles. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Hmm. Uh, what's another series that you have your eye on? Um, By the way, yes, triple overtime for game one. Mm, um, I, like I, I think I, I really like Colorado in the playoffs this year mm-hmm. too. So I've been watching a lot of that. They got their young star Nathan McKinnon playing really well, mm-hmm. and so he's going to be tough to stop. That's a surprising team with Patrick Waugh as coach, you know, leading them to the two seed in the West. Yeah. Definitely one to keep their eye on. So so far, you have Boston, Detroit tied at one. Tampa Bay up three zero on Montreal. With I'm oh, sorry, the other way around. Montreal up three zero on Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect that series to be a lot closer, but I don't think Tampa Bay really has the experience in the playoffs. Pittsburgh and Columbus tied at one. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to take care of business there. Uh, Rangers and Flyers tied at one, which is also a very close one. Colorado up 2-0 on Minnesota. St. Louis up 2-0 on Chicago. Anaheim up 2-0 on Dallas, uh, another team that I don't think will go too far in the playoffs. And San Jose up 2-0 on the Kings, who got drilled mm. yesterday holy smokes a 7-2 final Yeah, 3 goals in the first period 4 in the second, it was crazy um, we make the play here who wins the Stanley Cup, give me our predictions You know, I think at the beginning of the season I think I said Boston beats Chicago mm-hmm. and I'll still stick with that I don't think Chicago's done yet You know, losing 2 very close games that is a team that can you know put some wins together, but I think Boston is too good. Uh, they mm-hmm. really have it all, and that first game against Detroit was a one nothing final with Pavel Datsuk scoring in the last few minutes. Just an amazing goal. If you haven't seen that goal from Pavel Datsuk in Game One, uh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, but Boston really missed their chances, and they just kind of looked out of it. And I think they really got things back together for Game Two. So I will stick with my prediction of Boston beating Chicago. I I'm going to have um, Boston over Colorado. Um, and I'm kind of basing that on um, an early exit from Chicago. Interesting. Um, I don't know. It'd be nice to see some upsets. It, no, that's true. <laughs> I'll give you that. You know, St. Louis. Because generally, so. you know, like generally, you don't see them as much, especially from teams that are so favored. Like, it has been a long time since we've seen St. Louis make a, a playoff run, so mm-hmm. it would be interesting to, to see that happen. So yeah, Boston is looking very strong. I, I'd expect a really good series with them in Pittsburgh. Yeah, down the line. Yeah, I think it'll probably definitely end up them playing each other to get there. Mm-hmm. Over in the NBA, as we go to the five-yard line, uh, it's kind of a 
similar yet different beast altogether with the NBA playoffs. You had some teams trying to manage their playoff position on the last day of the season, which made things exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miami almost seeming to give up home court advantage to the Indiana Pacers. And the Pacers, who, as Joe Namath would put it, are struggling. (laughs) Uh, losing game one at home to the eighth seed Atlanta Hawks. That was surprising. But yeah, the Hawks are playing some hot basketball right now. I mean, they've really made a run to keep their uh, their seventh straight year of the postseason going. And uh, Indiana just, they kind of lost a lot of the team chemistry. We were talking about that trade yeah. with Danny Granger and Evan Turner, and they never really got it back together. It's... Kind of amazing when this was supposed to be their year. And they had a very good year at the beginning of the year and into, you know, the all-star break. Mm-hmm. As this last third is just questionable. Miami also seems more vulnerable than ever. Granted, they're playing Charlotte in the first round and it's a weak East this year. Yeah. You have Chicago who's kind of maxing out their potential with, you know, Trading Luol Deng for sack of potatoes. <laughs> Not much more. They hardly got anything back for him. Derrick Rose, the second straight there year. There you injured. go. French fries at halftime. There you go. Uh, but Tom Thibodeau is <laughs> doing a great job coaching, really putting that team together. Washington's playing better than the years. And you had Brooklyn, who's, you know, Jason Kidd is the coach uh, with a lot of veterans together with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce from Boston. You had Darren Williams playing there. You have some players stepping up there. So, Brooklyn's up 1-0 on Toronto. Washington up 1-0 on Chicago, which is also surprising. So I think this is Miami's, you know, big chance to go to their fourth straight NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they can win it, that's uh, a whole other question. How do you see the East shaking out? Well, like, you know, like we've all kind of watched Indiana just, I mean, you know, still find a way to maintain enough wins to to, to win the whole conference, but kind of just did did not look like they did earlier in the year at all. Um, which, like, you know, I, I definitely see them, you know, getting past the Hawks all right. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think that that's going to be a problem. But I think, it, you know, if it comes down to them and the Bulls, it's... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulls won that. Yeah. And that, you know, immediately opens things up for Miami. Because I think head to head with the Pacers, I, I think that I think that's not I don't think that's what they want. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um I think if the you know, if the Bulls could pull that upset I don't see how Miami doesn't get to the, the finals. Right. Um but otherwise, like I'm, I'm kind of iffy about it still. Um, so, but I mean, you know, they're they're. I think they've kind of got the Pacers right where they want them, though. Is uh, nobody thought after watching them earlier in the year that they'd be playing like this? Right. Um, so well, yeah, especially it was much... supposed to be it's supposed to be the big Indiana Miami showdown. Uh, they had a. A whole freaking day devoted to it on ESPN. And it wasn't even the most important regular season matchup for the Pacers and the Heat. Yet they devoted a whole day of Sports Center coverage to that matchup. 
one of the more insane things I've seen on SportsCenter in a long oh, and time. I, I think the you know I think the Nets will beat the Raptors. I think so too. Um, I know Toronto's a good team, but we don't see yeah. a lot of them you know playing in Canada. Mm-hmm. But Brooklyn is playing good basketball right now. Maybe they kind of struggled a bit down the stretch, but that's a lot of veterans on that team who know how to play playoff basketball. Yeah, um, they know how to slow it down. So I think it's you know it probably comes down to like, you know, if if the Bulls can pull that upset, the Bulls in the Heat. Um, and in that case, I would pick the Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. I think the West though is the more intriguing conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have San Antonio against Dallas in the one eight. Uh, the two seven is Oklahoma City and Memphis. Three six Clippers and Warriors, and then the four five Rockets and Trailblazers. Uh, both very good games between the Clips and Warriors, and then the Rockets and Blazers. Uh, games that really came down to the wire, very close. The other two, not so much. Uh, but I, I like all four top seeds moving on. I think it's going to make for the more interesting playoff runs, even though you had the Clippers and Rockets losing their first games. But I see those two teams bouncing back. Yeah. Um, um, I think I think Oklahoma City is getting back to the finals. The Spurs are the smart pick, considering the year that they've had, you know, with the winning streak and, and everything that they had. But I think if you match up the Spurs and the Thunder, I think age is going to catch up to the Spurs. And I think OKC is going to put on a run with Durant and Westbrook. Back, healthy. Uh, I like the Thunder in that matchup. Yeah, I I, I think that, you know, if I had uh, maybe made this pick like earlier in the season, I probably would have went with like, you know, the Spurs and the Pacers. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I gotta give myself credit then, because at the beginning of the year we were saying, you know, if Miami doesn't win at all, because they are the back-to-back champions, mm-hmm. who would be the teams that, you know, meet in the finals? And I almost, I, I wish for the ratings nightmare <laughs> of the Pacers and the Spurs. Yeah. I'll give myself some credit that they are both the number one seeds. Though I think they will meet unexpected competition and not make the finals. So, so then would you call the opposite the sexy pick, the um, Oklahoma City and the Heat? I think that's the NBA's dream matchup. Yeah, I think any matchup with Miami uh, that's become a team that love them or hate them. If you have a passing interest in basketball, you're going to watch them. Yeah, often you just watch them to watch what their players will do. Exactly. And LeBron James and Kevin Durant is going to be, if it is not already, this generation's bird magic. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the two best players, opposite conferences. You know, they've already met once in the finals. But they're, they're clearly the two best players in the league. So I think it would make for fascinating TV. I hope that's what happens. 
for the league. It's not a league I care about often, but you know, if if it's not going to be the ratings disaster, might as well give them a give them an interesting matchup. I, I do think that if that happens, it's because the um, the conference finals leading to that are less exciting. Mm. Because I think that it, what's going to happen is there's going to be upsets that lead to them kind of just Posting. wiping the floor yeah. with the other team. Because they're not going to end up playing the Spurs. They're not going to end up playing the Pacers. Because I think those teams are going to get upset. Yeah, I think it'd be a very interesting matchup if you have someone like the Spurs against the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Or more, more or less, if you have the Warriors upset the Clippers... And you have the the young, streaky shooting of the Warriors against, you know, the fundamentals of the Spurs. That'd be an interesting watch. Yeah, I think it, it would probably get me like more interested in, in watching more of the playoffs. So who wins the title as we make the play? Uh, I think you know Miami. It's still their year, despite them looking vulnerable. They turn it up a notch. In the play, they have that extra gear. They they know how to be a champion, and uh, I I'm currently expecting them to win their third straight championship. Yeah, I mean it, it's hard to it would be hard to pick, especially if it is the Thunder. Hard to pick them just because um, experience wise, you know, even getting to a conference championship is different than than playing in the you know the title game basically. And you got to hope that if Oklahoma City does get that far, they've had enough time to work together with Durant and Westbrook because Durant had so much time this year where he was in the words of the Beats commercial, he was the man, he was the man, he was the man. And he just had the team on his back, the team on his back though. Scoring I think he might still have that streak going with 25 straight or 25 points. He just had a. I mean, uh, yeah. He, the the thing is, though, he would he would need that and probably a little more to to pull off that kind of upset. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, I so. mean, if they're working in tandem, then they're a very strong contender. But it's just if have they worked it out to this point? That's what we shall yeah. see. Well, next episode in a couple weeks from now. I don't. We whoa. We might have to do a show just before the draft because we might not make it in time. So I, I think that's a priority. We'll have to get a show out for you before the NFL draft, which is gosh, it's early May. I want to say May eighth. Let's look it up. Mm. NFL draft twenty fourteen. Because yeah, it starts on the Thursday. Yeah, it starts on Thursday, May eighth. All right. So we'll have a show for you before then. Give our predictions. And that might even be the whole show. We'll, we'll touch on playoffs and see where they are with that. But the big folks is going to be on the NFL draft. And I, I've seen, like, it seems like even more scenarios than I've ever seen. Like, no one can really decide what they want to do. With their top pick. To this point, it is not predictable. (laughs) I I don't think it's nearly as predictable as it was in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because, like, even if you look at like some of the best quarterbacks available, they're 
there's still a lot of questions about them. Yeah, like, are they really worth taking number one pick? <sighs> like, Houston I, I, needs a quarterback. I think you're going to see a lot of teams get quarterbacks um, maybe at the beginning of the second round and and stuff like that. Because I, I disagree. I think they'll use first-round picks on them because I think the risk on a first-round I mean, pick I, I mean, is... I mean, well-off team. <laughs> Right, right, right. That's what I mean. I don't mean if one of those guys is available in the second round, somebody might go oh, sure. for him. But if, sure. if they have like an older quarterback, but they're you know they finish pretty high. If I I don't know. Like of course you always have teams that they're just in desperate need of excitement. <laughs> so though I think you're gonna still see Jadavian Clowney go number one, uh, but I think you're gonna see a lot of the quarterbacks go really high because with the CBA change, you're not gonna get penalized that much for a bust uh, for a top pick. So as a team, you're going to want to try to take that chance to get your franchise quarterback. And we have seen examples of where it has worked with rookie quarterbacks lately. Uh, But you're not going to have, you know, necessarily the Achilles Smiths and Joey Harrington's of the past where, or Jamarcus Russell's even, where they would cost you so much in salary money that it would just be a disaster if they, you know, just, flamed out and didn't did, work did you see that uh trailer for that draft movie <laughs> yes <laughs> what is that? the question is how soon after i saw it did i text tony our resident cleveland browns fan in the uh in the show me your news community and i said tony there's a movie called draft day about the cleveland browns in the nfl draft chances are it has a bad ending well i mean even if you just watch the preview it's kind of like, oh my my gosh, what is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, we got ownership saying they're going to fire him. <laughs> That's the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> oh. We'll have predictions next time for <clears throat> where all the top picks end up. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a fun show. Yeah. But with that, I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. We hope you enjoy the week in sports. Enjoy the playoffs.